Welcome to Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center's LinkCast with your host, Director of Transition and Employment, Mark Smith, and Link Facilitators, Nanette Bray-Day and Mark Schuster. Link is all things employment and transition for the military-connected community. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Link Podcast. I am Mark Smith, Director of Transition and Employment at the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center. With me always is the great Nanette Bray-Day. Good to be here, Mark. Thank you for having me. And Mark Shoe Schuster. Always a pleasure to be here with both of you as well. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to jump right into it. Resumes. So we know resumes are key. Absolutely. So... What does a resume do? Well, it lets you know you're qualified for that position. It's got like your work history, your education, your military background, everything on there. Resumes are designed to get a hiring manager interested in you, right? We talk about types of resumes, and, and but that's really what it does. It should get you the opportunity to be um, screened for a job. And if they feel that that resume demonstrates the capabilities of what they need, hopefully it leads to the job interview. So that's the bottom line on a resume. It tells the hiring manager or human resources that you have the skills to do the job. Right? That's that's true. Absolutely. Uh, You know, the one big thing about it, you know, there's so many different ways to write a resume, too. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is is you have to tailor that resume to the position itself. So why bother? Well, like Mark said, there's some basics to resume writing. First of all, anything that we say during this podcast cannot necessarily be held against us because <laughs> resumes are so – they're very individual and they can be very unique. But I would caution anybody to please not pay anyone to have your resume written for you especially in this community, because here at Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, we do have classes that can do that. We have the program that will help that, and any one of us will certainly help. But there are some basics to it. Um, Resumes are objective, normally. The vast majority of what you put on there is fact-based experience, but there's also some subjective uh, portion of it that you need to add to it where you're describing what it is you want. I think the first basic, we see so many resumes, a lot of times they give us what their background is, an overall summary in that first section. And the summary doesn't do us any good. Tell us what you want, especially when we're dealing with transitioning military. If you've done four minutes, four years, or 40 years in the military, hiring managers, we want to know what it is what you want. And hopefully what it should be is what the job talks about, because like you said, Mark, you want to target it. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Mm -hmm. it does. And you know, one thing that we always do, I mean, when we have a client come in and they bring their resume, You know, we let them know, hey, this is your resume. You can leave it as you choose. We're just making suggestions. Um, And some will take those suggestions. Some won't. And then, you know, when those positions are opened and closed and opened and closed and opened and closed, and they come back and we say, hey, this is what should have been in there. You didn't have this in there. And this was key. Um, You know, I I think with human resources and recruiters, they're only going to look at a resume for about a minute, minute and a half to two minutes. Not oh, even that fast. Not even not, that. Not that long. That's way too long. Maybe 30 seconds if you're lucky. Maybe 10 seconds. seconds. If it's a human if, being. Right. It could be an automated tracking system. 
So this is one thing I did learn. Um, most companies now, because of that applicant tracking system, mm -hmm. they're still having HR folks review them because there's candidates that are slipping through the cracks with that tracking system because they're looking for those keywords. But, you know, when they're looking at the resume and the job rec itself and you don't have those whatever the requirements are, I mean, you want them right up top. You want them to be able to see I'm, you know, a transition service member with 20 years experience as a whatever with a top secret security clearance and whatever security plus if it's an IT position or whatever. So, or a college degree. If it asks for a college yep. degree, put the college degree up front. Make it easy for HR to know that you're bottom line qualified or initially qualified to do the job, make it easy for them to say yes. Right. So put all of those requirements up front. Make those the bullet points. So I review resumes every single day. And we post resumes on all of the major websites for Delta Solutions and Strategies. Mm -hmm. We put resumes out, job opportunities out on LinkedIn. I put it through the profile. Mm -hmm. And 99 out of 100 times, um, the applicants are not telling me that they can do the job that we're asking for. They're just summarizing their background. And that's a failure because we want to target resumes. If you want to target a resume, pull out that job requis requisition, print it out, and go through it line by line, and make sure that the minimums and the requirements are somewhere throughout your resume demonstrating for us that you can do that work. There is still a human factor. You're absolutely right, Mark. We mm -hmm. still have to take a look at them. So the automated tracking system gets our resumes into our system, but I'm still reviewing them, and making it easy is the best because we don't want to waste a lot of time, uh, and that's one of the biggest keys. It's how do you translate your, your experience to that specific job? The other, the other plus that I would encourage everybody to do is if you have the ability, put a cover page on because a cover page then is a direct communication to the hiring manager or the HR team that speaks a little bit different than the resume. It's you actually talking to the HR team, stating a couple things. If they have a cover page opportunity, please submit one. You know, it, it makes me laugh when listening to you say that, and I'm not making fun, but, you know, with, with you saying tailor the resume, I want to go back to that. Yeah. You know, Target I didn't Taylor. know that when I transitioned out of the Army. I didn't know. I thought you just did a resume and submitted it. Right. But you can. Years ago, that's you all can. you did. Right. But if you want the job, you have to take the time to tailor the resume, answer the questions they're asking in the job announcement. Okay. If you can't address those points, why bother submitting the resume or the uh, job application? Why bother if you can't qualify? Right. Be but. That leads us to the question, do I have to be 100% qualified? You can't be. Nobody is. And we, we do have friends, Nanette and Mark and I. Mm -hmm. We know one, one couple in particular whose husband is 10 years into a job he didn't think he was qualified for when he applied. So we'll go back to Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Don't apply to something that you're absolutely not qualified for, but if you think that you may have a shot, you certainly can. So it, this isn't a perfect science. That's the thing. It's, it's not an exact right. science. It's, there's a lot of human dimension to this. You don't know what the company's looking for. You don't know what the hiring manager's looking for, the HR person. Sometimes our HR team sends us a candidate they thought was qualified, 
But then as a director, I look at their resume and they're not qualified because there's other government requirements that we have to take into consideration for contracting. Or they may be qualified for a position that you have not announced yet or posted yet. Or somewhere else in the company. Yep. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. That the applicant doesn't know about. And you go, oh, wait better candidate for this other position. So you don't know what's behind the curtain, so to speak, in the company. So give it, would you say if I would, felt I was 70% qualified to go ahead and apply? I, I see two heads nodding I think there. 70% is reasonable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Again, if you don't apply, it's a no. If you do apply, you're in their system. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, we keep, I mean, we have a data bank of resumes, and a lot of times our HR will screen the data bank before, database, excuse me, mm -hmm. before we look at new applicants. Because we do get a lot of people that are applying. And sometimes we'll send out a what we call polite rejection, which is really not right now, but maybe in the future. And we yeah. have hired people later on that have at least applied for something in the company. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of things can be, be taught and trained. You know, I, I never, when I started working here, I never pictured myself running the shop. You know, it was just kind of when I got offered the position to come in an interview, you know, I was told, you know, come be a peer navigator. Well, what is that? It's like being an Army recruiter, but we don't yell at you about numbers. Okay. So I come in and interviewed. And, and again, you know, we talked about this before, but I blew the interview, I thought. I mean, I th when I walked out, I was like, well, that was done. <laughs> you know, I, I never thought I'd get a call back and I did. And I think, you know, Paul apparently saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, you know, cause I, again, never had the behavioral interview questions that we're going to cover later on. Yes. Right, we're going to cover in our next right, segment. And, and don't, and I don't want to, you know, don't give away the story, give yet. away everything. But, <laughs> you know, walking out, I was like, wow. I was like, I, th I thought my resume looked good. Yeah, Paul looked at my resume, and he goes, hey, Mark, come in here and sit down. And he, I mean, and Paul, you got to know him. He's a stickler for a lot of things, especially on the resume. And he red-marked my resume up, and I walked out, and I was like, how did I even get this job? How did you even get the interview? That, too. Networking. <laughs> so, Networking. But, yeah, he destroyed my resume, and he one day he called me up, and he said, hey, come in, let's fix your resume. And we fixed it, you know, and he showed me, he's like, look, here's this, 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 and this. And he went down his, his little process and he said, this is what I look for. Um, you know, but I, th I think a lot of things can be taught. I, I don't think some aspects of leadership can be taught, but I think depending on what your background was, as far as the, the leadership piece, it kind of comes natural to, to veterans and transitioning service members, even, even military spouses. Um, going back to the paying for a resume, I am 100% against that. I, I have a I, friend that paid $7,000 yep. to have a company write his resume for it, and he never used that version. It didn't work for yeah. him. Because who knows you best? You. Yeah. So you've got to dig out the information to put on that resume anyway. You've got to go back through your awards, through your um, personnel reviews yep. that you get, your annual reviews on a basis, anything else that gives you cannon fodder or information mm -hmm. to put on that resume. I went back through one of mine and found I had been responsible for, are you ready for this, as a young lieutenant, 
$1.8 billion worth of ammunition. And that's billion with a B. It is, <laughs> and that's what I say. I've always wanted to do that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but but there was in writing. Yeah. So, because you can't remember 5, 10, 20, 30 plus years ago. I can't remember yesterday. So 20, 20 really minutes important. ago, yeah. So the resume ties into our last episode we talked about. Um, um, looking yeah. for a full-time job mm-hmm. is a full-time job. It and is. the big piece, which you mentioned earlier, is your network. Yep. The network is the most important piece of all of this because what happens if you know somebody that works at a company? In today's world, just because I know Mark works here, I can't just call him and say, hey, can you get me a job at Mount Carmel? <laughs> there are requirements for interviewing. There are state laws and federal laws and Department of Labor laws. And generally what happens is if somebody applies to a company, um, what I tell them is, if you know somebody there, you reach out to them and say, hey, Mark Smith, I just applied for this job at Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested. I think I'm qualified. Would you mind putting a good word in for me? Okay. And then all Mark can do is maybe go down to the hiring team and mm-hmm. say, look, if you haven't seen Mr. Schuster's resume, I think he'd be a really good fit for us. I already know him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gives you a warm in. And that's really, really important to use that network. So the resume is also part of it. It also speaks to the fact that it, it, in the eight months it took me to find the job I have now, I use 14 different resumes. So I want to reattack what you just said. There's something called an informational interview where you reach out to somebody that works in that company, mm-hmm. say, let's go have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. before you apply for the job. Get the scoop before you apply for the job. And I did mm-hmm. that with a friend of mine, really wanted to work for this specific nonprofit, not Mount Carmel. It was before (laughs) Mount Carmel was even a glimmer, okay. Got into the coffee shop, sat down, and the first thing out of his mouth was, don't work here. They do not, veteran support is totally lip service, don't even think about it. And that was the end of the interview, or the discussion. So listen for those red flags. But going back to when to apply for the job, If you know someone in that company and you know that company gives hiring bonuses, you better make sure that you know when to apply because it might be in your best interest to send your resume to Mark who works for the department you're interested in working for and have him walk it down the hall to HR. So he might get a hiring bonus of two grand, five grand, whatever. Some of the companies are $10,000. Oh, my gosh. We know one in particular. Yeah. Eric's company. Yeah. Up to $10,000 hiring bonus. Wow. So don't disrespect your friends Mm -hmm. by not bringing them into that, the applicant process. Use your network. Another way Mm -hmm. to help you with resumes is be open and transparent about suggestions. Send your resume to lots of different people. My way is only one way. Nanette's way is another way. Mark Smith. There are so many people out there that are willing to help bring our veterans, our uh, veterans' families, their spouses into the workforce. But oftentimes you just need a, a couple set of eyes. And you can take a little bit from everybody. But at the end of the day, Mark, you said it. And Nanette, you said it. One, nobody knows you better than you do. And Mark, it's, it's, it's your resume. And if you don't like a word craft or a wordsmith or the way that we look at things, that's fine because it's a personal experience. And then when it comes to all of the military schools and the medals of honor and the silver stars and the purple hearts and the commendations, those are incredibly 
rich experiences. Mm -hmm. We get that. But what do they mean on a resume? I kind of look at it like this. If you've received the Congressional Medal of Honor, I would absolutely put that on there. And if you were an Eagle Scout, you would need to put that on. Yeah, but you know, like, I have, you know, 10 ARCOMs, Army Commendation Medals, 15 Army Achievement Medals, Meritorious Service Medal. None of that's on my resume. Mm -hmm. You know, we are fortunate being in Colorado Springs because there are a lot of veterans here, 92,000 in El Paso County alone. You may luck out, and I send you my re a resume, Schuster, and it's got Bronze Star, you know, Silver Star, all that on there. You know what that is. But if I send it to Nanette, let's say she was never in the military, she has no clue what that is. Right. So the approach I've always taken and been coached through Prep Connect and other areas is if you're reaching out to somebody who is a veteran, you can ask if it's through your network, hey, Mark, would you like my targeted resume? Would you also like a military resume? I have both. Mm -hmm. And you could say, yeah, I'd like to see both, but when you apply, let's let's use the targeted resume. But you can use a portion of it. So I don't have any awards, military awards, on my resume. I have just a couple schools that are very basic, more the senior course, like my TLS, top-level school. And it has a little bit of defi a definition of what it is. I have a logistics school I went to at Penn State. So it's very, very short and specific. But I want people to know we respect and honor all of your achievements, mm -hmm. all of those Absolutely. medals, all of those things that you've done overseas, your deployments. So just remember that it depends on the circumstance. If you're applying online, target the resume. If you're using your network, be proud of submitting a military resume. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the schooling for a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's very critical that all of those certifications you have in the IT, if you're applying for an IT mm -hmm. position are critical. But if you are not applying for a job as a sniper, <laughs> your sniper schooling don't should need to put it on there don't need to and it could be a turnoff so be selective on which schools yep. you list and as you said your top level ones or a specific if you're going for a logistics position i attended the joint logistics course at fort lee years ago so Give yourself credibility where you need the credibility based on the job you are applying for. And I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody, I believe, and you, I hope you, you might agree that the vast majority of the schools that our NCOs, junior officers, senior officers attend can all be crafted into leadership. Yes. They can all be crafted into some type of operational leadership, uh, executive leadership, you know, top-level school, the War College, things like Air War College yep. that I that I completed. That's an executive-level leadership course. That's all you have to say. Yeah. Um, so you also want to demilitarize the schools as much. So take sniper school. You know, if you talk to Marine snipers and Army snipers, sniper school isn't just about putting rounds on target. There is a tremendous amount of individual and team leading. There's math. There's science. There's all types of things that you can pull out of that that you don't feel like you have to not put on your resume because we know you're proud of it. So understand that the vast majority of our schools, they're basically leadership training schools, and they're just different levels, right? A corporal's course is a leadership course. Mm -hmm. Ex uh, Expeditionary Warfare School for Marine Corps captains is a leadership course. It's that, just a different level. That both of us are graduates. Well, <laughs> I didn't, you know, but hey. <laughs> but no, how I have mine listed on my resume is U.S. Army um, – I just had it. Now I dumped it. But U.S. Army 
specialized leadership courses. That was for the Flint rifle course you took. Up. Well, that yeah. is almost true. Yeah, it was the catapult course. Um, exactly. We were using we were using uh, bows and arrows <laughs> and black With, powder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. But the the one I did list on there was when I went to the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. It was the Master Resiliency course. So it was when resiliency was becoming popular amongst the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the University of Pennsylvania and went to that course. Um, I didn't know that was like, you know, a sought after course. And it really is. I was like, okay, so I put it on there. Um, but so yeah, that's how I did my leadership courses, U.S. Army specialized leadership courses. So is so. that kind of like the radar course I took from MIT? Well, wow. I, I mean, if. Wasn't it like a sundial and some oh, stairs? <laughs> wow. She's like, what's radar? What is that? Exactly. Oh, that's too funny. So resumes are the link to the company to help them evaluate, in their opinion, based on what you tell them, that they feel, hey, this candidate could fit this position. And that will hopefully lead to an email or a phone call that starts the interview process, which is really, really important, which we'll talk about in the next section. So one quick question that I have always struggled with is how do you remove the military lingo? There's lots of ways to do it. Um, Seek advice from Link, Mount Carmel. You can research online. There are things you can type in there that says, you know, that will help you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's just a matter of um, putting the work in and trying to change that idea. I remember a young captain we had at Prep Connect a couple years ago stopped me during a course and said, hey, Mark, I don't know what to do. I've, I've, I've been a battle captain for the last three years. I said, great, you've been an operations director or an operations manager. So it doesn't take a lot, but you also have to make sure that you get rid of all of your acronyms yep. and you turn acronyms into military things. Focus on leadership, leading people, and then management of assets and resources. But, you know, we also need to prove that we can follow as well. Yep. Really, really important. And there are plenty of websites. You could, I mean, I I even Googled, you know, what does a field recruiter in the Army do? Mm -hmm. And you can go to 50 different websites and figure out what a recruiter actually does. And, you know, you can. marketing. Yeah. uh, You know, that's a part of it. Absolutely. You know, but then you can go, you know, for me being Army, I can go to us.army.mil, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you exactly what your military occupational specialty is. You notice how I changed that from MOS. Um, you know, and I'm assuming the Marines has the same website, okay. Air Force, Navy, Space Force. Um, then there was another website. It was called the COOL website, C-O-O-L, and it'll actually tell you exactly what a, what your military occupational specialty does. That is your question? It does. Thank you. That's how you get rid of that military <laughs> lingo. <laughs> the Google machine. The Google machine. Mother that Google. is true. Yeah. That is true. Um, so, you know, the biggest thing I think, uh, takeaway, you know, the resume gets you the interview, interview gets you the job, which we'll talk about interviewing coming up. But make it your own. I, I think, you know, I, I already know when I see certain resumes come through, I know where they came from. You know, um, you know, I'll look at them and be like, yep, so here we go. You know, they all come I, in from the military in the very same format. Absolutely. And how many pages and how many years do you go back to net? So <laughs> here in Colorado Springs, most employers are looking for a two page resume. 
And now a federal resume is a whole different deal, and we can talk yeah. about that at another time. That's a whole nother yeah. discussion. It's another animal. <laughs> right. Two-page resume, go back 10 years. But because I, I had a 10-year chunk of experience and then there was another 20-year chunk of experience, I put that 20-year chunk into one small paragraph. That was all my logistics experience. And then what I did, my work with the air defense and missile defense stuff was what my resume focused on. So there was a little bit to tease them about logistics, but not 20 pages worth. Yeah, and if you look at my, you kind of know my background. It's a little eclectic in a way, different in different industries. In different industries, my resume has one section of that encompasses quite a bit of all of my active duty mobilization time into one section, and then two areas of real estate two areas of aerospace manufacturing, and then my current job. Every single job says program manager, except my current one because I'm a director. So, And I updated it when, when they changed my title for some reason. It's the same work, though. The message is if you're looking for program management, I encourage that each of your historical jobs you title as program management. Program management, project management is very broad. All of us are project and program managers. It's the industry in which you're in. And Nanette, you said earlier, the IT world is a great example for a world. There are so many very specific certifications that you can get and that often are actually required for a certain type of IT job. Most of the time, and I think Eric and um, Jerome will tell us that for IT world, those certifications should appear at the very, very top of your resume. Education sometimes at the bottom in the format, but if you're applying for jobs that require Security Plus, IT, IVL, blah, 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 or PMP, or an Agile certification, put those right up front because those people are looking for that certification. And when it comes to Agile search or PMPs, if you're currently working on your PMP or working on a black belt, it's okay to put in there um, working on PMP expected graduation expected completion date september and e do that even with your college you can do that absolutely. with your college absolutely. and i you know i see that a yep. lot absolutely in in education i think people in the community are, are doing a really good job of letting us know let us know that you're working on your on your education it's important so those are a couple tips if you're looking to be an xyz make all of your experiences xyz and that well, way people think oh my gosh they've got 10 years of experience doing it which they do so there's two different basic types of resume. One is chronological, and the other, like you just talked about, was functional. functional. Correct. Yes. And both have different purposes. That is correct. They do. You can also research this on your own. This is why we say don't pay anybody to to, to, to spend seven no. $8,000 no, on a resume, no, no. and they guarantee you a job. They can't yeah. do that. Right. So there are so many videos. There are so many ways yep. to study resume building and resume writing. Um, at the end of the day, resumes that tell the story work. It doesn't matter the format, doesn't matter what title you use. If you target it right and it tells the story, you're in, potentially. So one of the cautions for you guys is do not put your home mailing address on the resume. Just city, state, and zip. City, yep. state, and zip. Now, if you live in Washington State and you're relocating to Colorado Springs for a Colorado Springs job, I would encourage you to put Colorado Springs if you know that you're going to be there probably by the time it starts. If not, go ahead and put a cover letter on there and mm -hmm. let people know that 
hey, Mr. Smith, I'm currently living in Washington State. I will be relocating to Colorado at this time. And the reason I say that is only the fact that we will search profiles and your social media footprint in the world can give away that you live in a different area. I recently had a young gentleman apply for a job, one of our jobs in in uh, Hawaii, and he clearly put on the cover page that he submitted, which was great, that even though he lives in the United States, he will not need any relocation because he's going to use his last home of record PCS move for the military. So letting us know those things, it changes our view because now we're looking at relocation costs from CONUS all the way to Hawaii. And if they're already covered by the government due to it's your no military to experience, yeah, it's, no it's no cost to that company. So that type, that type of honesty and communication, it's all part about showing an employer that you can communicate properly. All about saving money. So before we wrap up, my last thing is photo on the resume, pro or con? No. I've never even considered that. I would say no. I am not a fan. I, I know I see them all the time where they, they'll actually have a photo of you. You know, if you submitted your resume to me, Mark, really? and you put your photo. Yes, I've never absolutely. seen that. 40, I've seen them a years. few times. Because they're on social media, but. Yep. So, so. but, uh, you but know, definitely not a, not a pro for me. It can definitely be a discriminator. Kinda. Now, if you were becoming an actor, that would be very yeah. appropriate. So it depends upon the industry you're going into. Um. But I wouldn't put it there. As you said, if they're interested, let them go to social yeah. media and look you up. Absolutely. And I will, you know, doing interviews, I will look you up on LinkedIn. Absolutely, 100%. Which, yep. I, let's also state this. Your baseline resume, your basic resume should be on LinkedIn. Don't change that because you can't target your LinkedIn for every job. Right. If you have eight or nine job resumes out there. And when, you, when you're out there looking for a job, let people know you're in the market. Let them know you're looking for work. When I came here six months into my eight-month uh, journey, I told Nanette and uh, Mark Lillivision I was still looking for a job. A month later, Mark's like, you know what? Give me your resume because I had somebody who's looking for someone like you, and that's how I got my job. So, again, back to the network. But also remember that when you are out looking for work, create a business card. You can, you can make them at home. Yep. On the front of that card, put your name your email, professional email, a phone number, the fact that you're in Colorado Springs. On the back, put down your 30-second commercial that reminds people what you're looking for and a QR code or a link to your, uh, your, LinkedIn. your LinkedIn profile. And that's how you don't have to carry resumes with you everywhere. Your LinkedIn profile, if you have it, that's your electronic resume that everybody in today's world can get to. So make that a baseline and adjust your written resumes. Great idea. This has been a great discussion, Mark. It has been. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening in. If you're interested in joining the next Link Workshop in October, October 11th and 12th to be precise, please give me a call at 719-309-4724. Or you can send me an email at marksmith, the at sign, mtcarmelcenter.org. Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center, facilitating successful transitions for veterans and their families with job placement assistance, wellness services, and more. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. Get started today at VeteranCenter.org. 
You've been listening to LinkCast with Mark Smith, Nanette Bray-Day, and Mark Schuster. LinkCast is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center presented by Mount Carmel's Directorate of Transition and Employment and produced in the Veterans Voice Studio located on the campus of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The LinkCast drops the first and third week of each month and is available by searching Link at veteransvoice.us. That's veteransvoice.us. Thank you.